the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. We meet again, Howlin' Uh, Wolves. We do. This bright sunny day, Howlin' Wolves are here. Just shooting the breeze. Yeah, it, it's, been, it's been a good month of downloads, by the way. So. Oh, good. We have listeners, maybe. Either that or someone's just randomly clicking. Putin. <laughs> um, could be. You never know. Do you, do you have that access to that information? Who's listening? Where? When? So, how? oh, yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's take a look. The, we have, and write in, people, um, if you hear this, Blues at gmail.com. We have picked up, we do occasionally get a listener in Germany. Nice. And as far as I can tell, one. Okay. German. We have one from, German friend. From so. the Hesse region. Huh. And then also we've picked up some listeners recently in Singapore. Okay. So... <laughs> If 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 you are those people, we would love yeah, for you to to write in. And then with the last post Sunday blues, real quick, M, mm-hmm. we have people listening in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Texas, New York, Colorado, and California. Shout Boom! Outs. Those are our favorite states. The magic <laughs> of the internet. Um, well, thanks for listening, people. This is a place where I'm here hanging out with my husband and talking about. Um, Things on his mind, specifically as it relates to the sermon. But I was perusing your blog. Um, <laughs> one of your recent posts is was um, about Ann Patchett, who happens to be one of my favorite author- authors also. I actually recently recommended her to another person. Oh, nice. who, um, uh, I haven't gotten her feedback yet, but she, she snapped a picture showing that she actually had it. Oh, which, which book by Patchett? Uh, the first one, Bel Canto, okay. which that, you mentioned. Which was not technically her first book, but it was uh, one okay. that... What's put, her actual put her on the book? Uh, I forget. I, didn't, I never read it. Okay. And you're reading a biography about, like, an autobiography? Or Short it... story collection. Oh, okay. Or this, sorry, a nonfiction essay collection by okay. Ann Patchett. I've been noticing that you have been reading, like, autobiographies by authors recently. Maybe not uh-huh. recently. Is that just, like, a thing that has happened over the years, or is it more recent? Uh, it's happened... It's been going on over the years. This this Saul Bellow biography, uh-huh. for example, it's taken years, but I, but I'm almost I'm you, almost done. Volume one. You like l- thinking about what is in the authorial mind. Yeah, and Robert Stone had a great biography written about him uh-huh. last year. That's probably the best literary biography I've ever I, I've ever read. So for what makes what makes it what makes a good literary biography versus not salacious details i'm just kidding so so i i want the biography to engage i'll read a biography of an author based on if i've read enough of the author Mm -hmm. that will make me think "Hmm, i wonder if there's a good quality biography out there and so so i want the author to engage with the texts 
and that so and and I want to know the literary world, the cultural milieu, uh-huh. and then also some personal stuff. I I'm comfortable separating art from artists. Right. It's a huge conversation, but give me enough that I can better contextualize in my own head all of the novels. And then I guess also nonfiction, like the Anne Patchett work, the nonfiction write work writing yep. is informing your understanding of how they are telling a story. Yeah, I I always like to have at least a couple of books of essays going at one time. Mm-hmm. And because I loved Bel Canto, Bel Canto, probably Bel Canto, <laughs> uh, I just figured when I was at the Prince Bookstore, oh, that's kind of interesting. Here's a new Ann Padgett collection. Let's yeah. go for it. Thoughts from Jim on words of anger. Yes. Actually, that was what your that blog was my old used blog. to call Yeah. Now it's just like blog. Uh, also not true. It's letters. To, Pat. Pat came up with the title "Letters to You." Oh right, where you stole the <laughs> right <laughs> phrase. All so, so, so that's from Bruce. And if all goes as planned, tomorrow, Helen Wolves. Well, I guess I'll write it tomorrow. It'll go live on Thursday, hopefully, probably. It will be me talking about. I saw Bruce last oh. Thursday night. Didn't think I would go because I was priced out, mm-hmm. but ticket prices fell the day of the show. Mm-hmm. That it was my least favorite Bruce Springsteen concert yeah. ever, and I came back. I came back genuinely sad and grumpy from the from the show. But you were a very compassionate listener over the next couple of days. Find out more details at yeah. blog.com. <laughs> Jim blog. <laughs> you might start at libertycollingswood.org and go from there. That too. Um, okay, enough enough banter. Banter, banter, banter. <laughs> um, call it sun- Stormy Monday. Rem- remind me, I was not actually sitting. I was yeah. actually lying in bed listening to your sermon. Right. With um, So, I, yeah, I will apologize in advance that, I mean, number one, sick. my voice is not the best. Number two, my um, note-taking and, like, attention was not, like, at absolutely 100 percent maybe maybe eking out in the 90s but so i um, tell remind me about (laughs) this passage and um where you were as you approached it well i think it was i that gave you this cold in the first place so i want to apologize for that and also to say if, if your attention m was not quite as laser focused as it usually is, uh, I was in the same boat. So I was yeah. very voice very scratchy for the second straight week. Uh-huh. And I think I mentioned to you that going into the sermon two Sundays ago, I knew that my voice was, actually, was absolutely gone. And uh-huh. so I was prepared and I kept within vocal ranges that I thought could work based on my super limited voice. I kept thinking that my voice, I, I was not prepared to do that another Sunday and I kept trying to say things that would squeak out. And so I was deeply destabilized during the sermon. And I, th- I think it was one of my worst delivered sermons huh. in a uh, long time. Do you think you could, could you tell from audience tracking too, like whether whether audience response, like can you feel that kind of energy as well? No, it's more in my own head like about, like hey, this audiences. is bombing. Um, it's yeah. not like the, the singer who... It's not like Bruce, who absolutely knew that you walked out early on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the title of the blog post is going to be Problems with My Boss. <laughs> 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 I 
But more specifically, I'm um, calling it Stormy Monday with Genesis 21, verses 8 to 21. This was the story of Hagar and Ishmael driven out by Abraham at the behest of Sarah once again. And I think I mentioned at one point during the sermon, Hagar is not somebody that I've spent a whole lot of time thinking about over the years. Of course, I'm familiar with a couple of stories in Genesis about her, but I, I kind of... Here's here's a true confession, and I kind of fell in love with Hagar a little bit. Yeah, uh, another woman, mm-hmm. um, where there's there's just a real beauty to her arc, and right. she definitely gets the short end right. of uh, of a lot of of a lot of sticks. Right, it's pretty painful. Right, uh, so she's left for dead again. So, but it was really appreciating Hagar, and then also wanted to emphasize in a big picture way that God cares for us when we're low. Mm-hmm. And that's where my headspace was, in addition to Bruce and being sick Yeah, last week. Right, context. Um, was you, there... you can read about that in my literary biography that comes out years <laughs> <laughs> later. I, I think the disappointment at this Bruce show will get at least a chapter in whoever, whoever uh, decides Whoever's to. Whoever's writing. Yeah, at, at least one of my biographers will focus one on of that. The, one of the kids. Yeah. Um, Eric Mitchell. <laughs> Anybody. Yeah. Um, More the merrier. What were you like, just like in terms of the general sense of what you were hoping for, for the congregation and not just like yourself and getting through this. Yeah. Um, falling in love with Hagar. Like, what were you hoping for the sermon to do holistically? A combination of hoping and praying, not that there were desperate people in the congregation and watching online Mm -hmm. this past week, but that if there were, there would be some consolation and concrete steps towards asking God and other people for help. So to to give some assurance that at your lowest, most desperate points, you're not outside of the scope of God's care, love, and help. And then also, if people aren't necessarily in that desperate state right now, maybe they file away. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I remember Hagar sure. and and how at the absolute end of her rope she was a couple different points in Genesis. Yeah, but yeah, it's again that that image and this is kind of into Sun Studios. Let's do it. Presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. That image in the passage of her um, putting down her infant son because she yeah. can't stand to see him like die or starve right. or um, die of dehydration. Um, that that image and description is so um, poignant and vivid and sad. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. the image that when we think of um, images of war or earthquake or whatever, yeah. it's kind of the, the, the loss of a child that can be the, one of the worst things right. that doesn't seem normal or natural. Yeah, I have the verses here. When the water in the skin was gone, this is after Hagar and Ishmael had been sent into the wilderness, she put the child under one of the bushes. And I mentioned the detail that this word for putting the child under one of the bushes is the word more typically associated with laying somebody in a grave. Yeah. And then then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look upon the death of the child. And she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and, and wept. Yeah. And just for, for, for clarity, I... Forget if I mentioned on Sunday or not. Back to the lack of focus on my part because I was nervous about my voice the whole time. Mm-hmm. The So Ishmael is probably a teenager here. And 
the you see him leering at uh, Sarah earlier in the story. Mm, uh-huh. So, so just for for for, for, for mental pictures, just based on that detail from the beginning of the story, mm-hmm. and then also I probably forgot to mention it on Sunday, but based on there are year markers uh, mm-hmm. at different points in Genesis. So, Ishmael is probably around fourteen or fifteen years old right now, and Isaac has been just born. So, losing a fourteen-year-old boy versus a mm-hmm. baby is not better or worse horrific either way but i think there's something particularly poignant about how hagar is lowering down her teenage son that may have been as big if not bigger than she but she saved all the water for him and then god showed up yeah at at that lowest moment so that that context of um, a fourteen year old, we have a fourteen year old. So that that yeah. is, it is a different image, but the image standing nonetheless as um, particularly just tragic, um, and I think it does help with any feelings of um, desolation or isolation that we do have because um, it it is such a universal loss that this passage seems to be addressing yeah and that that was the broad strokes beyond that it's not really a difficult passage to interpret a couple of quick hits and um, before we go into muddying the waters if if i fell in love a little bit with hagar in the set of stories sarah just yeah. continues uh, to be pretty awful yeah it's a bad look for yeah. for her to basic functionally twice in genesis she asks abraham to kill both Hagar and and Ishmael. Right. Uh, who knows what all is is going on there? Uh, I was intrigued. I mentioned how God, both to Abraham when he's wrestling with, "Hey, what do I do with Hagar and Ishmael?" reaffirms to Abraham, "Hey, don't worry about the inheritance aspect. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named." Mm-hmm. And that's a verse that's actually quoted multiple times in the New Testament. But then God goes on to say, and I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also because he is your offspring. Right. That whole dynamic of, and I could have pressed this more, but I didn't want to give wrong impressions. God in this story is at work within his covenant promises to Abraham and outside. I think there's some parallel there that we trust God to work inside the church but then also god's at work in the world beyond Mm. beyond the church that's interesting and then uh, just a couple of details laughter has been this image even a motif Uh if if you will related to the birth of isaac the announcement of isaac to come from the angels and even within the course of genesis chapter 21 this chapter from last week to this week Sarah's laughing joyfully, I think, in the verses right you before this. That it turned. Right. The but but turned. then that the laughter turns mocking and leering again, mm-hmm. which is where Sarah was at the beginning of the Isaac drama, Isaac arc, right. when she was first told. So Right, so, right. She was cynical then. Yeah. Yeah. And then now And almost also the like Hagar was her solution to this problem, the problem of yeah. um, God's faithfulness and, and Abraham not having an heir. An heir. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like by, by wanting her, like, by her wanting to just totally cast them aside, it is kind of how we often will um, 
deal with our own sins and shortcomings yeah. and the, or the effects of such when right. like, what well, we have messed up and we have caused a, a giant problem and our desire is to just like make it go away yep. and not even think about it as opposed to try to resolve and understand that this whatever is a result of our sin and we have like a need to and responsibility to um address and welcome the problem that we created <laughs> yeah yeah sarah made a mess and the uh-huh. the language that she uses towards abraham is distinctive cast out this slave woman that's yeah. a strong forceful drive out like right god driving out adam and eve from the garden of eden it's also used again that cast out when cain in genesis 4 is driven out from where he is by by god mm-hmm. and then also the cast out this slave woman with her son not naming them and then uh, for the son of this slave woman shall not be the heir with my son right Isaac and I know um I kind of think that I know the answer to this but mm-hmm. maybe for listeners like when you address this as the child the challenge of this passage to me is where like how do you justify Abraham sending like o- obeying Sarah mm-hmm. Sarah's like terrible command to cast her off to like the, well, the Lord allowing this or even ordaining it to happen yeah. to the point of their being almost outcast to death. Yeah. Like how do you address that? So that's a good question. One that I didn't directly address on Sunday, but one of the critiques that could come my way from a skeptical perspective after a sermon like this is a religious skeptic could say, Hey, it's great and all that God meets us with consolation and our desolation, but why does he let us have to get to that point? Why, why didn't God just make a way for Hagar and Ishmael to settle in the land of Paran apart from all of this heartache and extreme sadness and distress. I don't really have a great answer for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there, There's a mystery to God's providence in that. And at some level, my response is that the cross accounts for our desperate moments and the cross assures us that God hates all of the deathliness in the world that Jesus himself went and died for it to to redeem. So there's an expiration date in Christ and our desperation. Mm -hmm. I think that's the, that's the best that I can do, but it's a fair question. Last, and the last thing on wording here too, the redemptive arc from Hagar being very rarely, I'd have to go back and check. I don't think she's ever named by Sarah, Mm -hmm. rarely named by Abraham mm-hmm. and he lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. I mentioned during right. the sermon that this is the first and only time right as Hagar exits stage when she's called a mom. Mm-hmm. Which, which, yeah. So it's a little bit of a redemptive glimmer there as well. What do you think about Hagar as a name? I mean, obviously to uh, not, maybe not obviously, to conventional or even like modern ears, it doesn't sound like the best. Yeah, I wonder what that is. Hag, just based on because of the yeah, word hag. I guess so. And wasn't there yeah. like a comic, Hagar the like Hagar the horrible? Yeah, yeah, that dude. He was a like a well, Norse or med- yeah medieval. Yeah, that's the that's dumb, the reason. Dumb Viking. Yeah. Easy question. Why right. are we even asking it? There we go. Um, Ishmael is a different story, though. That should be popular. Ishmael Adam. 
still oh, right, works right, with right. us occasionally. Right. I, why did I not even know? The, it should be popular. It is pop- yeah. popular in some um, context. Hebrew. And I, I'm, oh. I'm, 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 I'm all sorry, go for off. Ishmael. Hagar. Could yeah. happen, but. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Hebrew for God hears okay. Ishmael. Nice. Appropriately enough. Um, turning to muddying the waters as you were constructing this sermon, like who are you specifically? I guess you've already kind of said, like yeah. you're thinking about the person who is um, in a situation of isolation. Um, what other contexts are you trying to address? Uh, just that one. Uh, desperation where, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully it was a sermon that had at least a little bit of pathos to try to line up with the pathos and the story of Genesis chap- chapter 21, but uh-huh. asking at the beginning, what if it's worse than we think? Right. And we really are in bad shape sometimes. So going from the surface level irony to the the deeper fractures that, that we can live with. I'm just trying to give some assurance that if we freak out, as we probably should when we're in absolutely desperate straits, uh, God enters into those moments uh-huh for us and is not freaked out by it and and i think you were also the audience of trying to help us to look for people who are in who are outcast and in Mm -hmm. situations yeah where they could use um consolation or the the um the call for us as a congregation or as individuals to be yeah mindful to help and to support the imitation aspect at Mm -hmm. the very end of the sermon and yeah, and whether it's church or otherwise, both of us can identify situations in the past where friend, loved one, fellow church member of ours is in a really, really bad spot, but we only find out about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And we'll think, why, why didn't you tell me, tell other people mm-hmm. sooner? Uh, there, there would have been th- things to do. So... Not to get too fancy, just encouraging people to ask for help, to cry out for God. Yeah. If if you're desperate anyway, take your Hagar moment. Uh, this is the first prayer of the Bible. Let me not look on the death of a child. Mm. And I think in our cynicism and lack of faith, or I'll personalize it. In my times of cynicism and lack of faith, I can be feeling pretty desperate. But do I ask God for help? Nah. Yeah. God's not going to do anything. God can't show up. Do I ask other people for help? Not as much as I should. And so, yeah, wanting to have the courage to look at our bad shape sometimes. And I think one of the only reasons or the chief reason that we can and should do that is because God is present in those desperate moments. Right. Um, and you you also were mentioning specifically the Good Samaritan and... Um, yeah, that was a fun what? connection to make. <laughs> the way you were smiling just that, I was like, what? That wasn't a like... <laughs> <laughs> also yes, a I was story. listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually so you was. Were. Um, so there's the proactive call plus the like no- knowledge that the outsider can be the one who is, is helping even more. Yeah, that's the surprise of the Good Samaritan mm-hmm. where supposedly... Or culturally speaking, the bad guy is is the good guy. Yeah. So Jesus designed that story to affront the pride right. of his audience. And very end of the story, evocatively, who who's a neighbor, the one that shows mercy, mm-hmm. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Yeah. And yeah. so should we. Right, for sure. Um, 
Anything else in muddying the waters? I think that's basically it. I th- th- it was a shorter sermon than than usual too. I I don't think because I was feeling sick. It just it seemed like more of a simple path. Yeah, to, yeah. I didn't need to yeah. belabor things. Um, so bar band cover tunes. You um start out with German. Yeah. Notes. Schadenfreude. What else did I have? Stormundrang, Bildungsroman, Geschichte, and I was telling, I was on music team this this past Sunday as well, and told my fe- fellow music team members, Tony and Trevor, hey, there's going to be, they were t- we were talking to me during rehearsal about German cars, and I said, hey, there's going to be a very subtle German car Farfic joke. Newton. Yes. Towards the beginning of the sermon, do you and think anyone got it? Can the, you tell by the audience reaction? A couple of people laughed. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. But it, so we're not going to reveal here, right? For no. Newton. Yeah. No. You what have it, to figure it out. I did remember the Volkswagen. Volkswagen uh huh. commercials. There, there are some really cheesy '80s commercials from Volkswagens that still live on the internet that you can look up and figure out what Farfenhugen actually love is. Germans. They're so fun. <laughs> Jocular. I was watching Top Chef uh, World right now. They're the Top, top Chef All Stars Worlds, right. whatever. And the German was talking about how there is no rice in their culture. It's like, oh, really? Yeah. I'd never thought of that. It's like one of the only cultures that doesn't eat rice. And I was thinking about how, how often we served rice to, our, <laughs> <laughs> to the German exchange students. Um, Mexican rice, not just Chinese rice, yeah. like Thai rice, Mexican rice, Indian rice. <laughs> oh, that, that's that's they worth interrogating. Being exposed to different cultures. I, I wonder if there is uh, an agricultural reason for uh-huh. lack of rice, something huh. about German soil. I have no idea. But it, but if there's not an agricultural reason, Germans, what are we doing here? Um, so... Yeah, you did the. Um, you quoted Gretchen Rubin. Happiness I Project. To her podcast for a little bit. Oh, really? And then I decided it was a little empty. Well, the Gretchen Rubin, The Happiness Project. I read that book in preparation. I think 2018, 2019, mm-hmm. preaching on Philippians, the Paul's letter to the Philippian church. The main theme of which is joy, and mm-hmm. so I wanted to do some reading, both from Christian and secular sources, sure. about joy and happiness and so yeah Gretchen Rubin talking about how irony is easier mm-hmm. of course it's not it's cooler not to be too happy there's a goofiness to happiness and innocence a readiness to be pleased that's the Ted Lasso effect yeah. right now zest and enthusiasm take energy humility and engagement taking refuge in irony is less taxing true true yes and if that's where we live what if it's worse than we think and we're actually doing more harm to ourselves and our psyche than we might imagine? Which is interesting as connected to like our conversation last week when you were talking about your sense of humor, i.e. Huh. what makes you happy. <laughs> True. <laughs> the cynical, dark yeah. humor. <laughs> it's a palate cleanser. <laughs> Happiness Project. Um, yeah, I'm never writing a book with that title. <laughs> Nor is David Foster Wallace, uh-huh. who 
remarked once upon a time, irony and ridicule are entertaining and effective. And at the same time, they, they are agents of great despair in our culture. So David Foster Wallace, who on one hand is the poster boy for quote unquote, like postmodern literature, as he was writing in the, I guess he was started writing in the 80s, but into the 90s and 2000s. But actually... David Foster Wallace is super big-hearted and, and genuine. So he's definitely in the Bruce Springsteen trajectory of sincere artists as opposed to <laughs> insincere ones, unless you're so you 72. like your musicians to be sincere. Yes. And your novels. Yes. Well, not all of them, but your com- your... TV shows, sincerity is not really your thing. Or TV shows and movies. No, that's true. And I, to underscore that, I I got tired of Ted Lasso. <laughs> like, is it on again? This, yeah, season, season? season three just started. Okay. Also not going to watch it. I might. Like this guy. Come on. Um, okay. Guitar Slim Thickens. Mine was um, oh. that Eric was making his announcement about... Um, about the comment, the cards for commitment, mm-hmm. financial commitment, yeah. or whatever, and commitment how cards. the one that was going to go over the gold total was going to get a prize, and yeah. he didn't know what it was. Right. And then you were, like, saying that the prize was a jazz al- album of your choosing, like, sitting in your house. A with listening a jazz- session. And I was just like, that happens to me constantly, <laughs> so what would I get as a prize? Well, our... Or Helen Wilson thinking like Emily, you must be living the dream if you get multiple listening sessions with 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 Jim, and I'll I'll gently push back on that. Um, I I don't know if we've ever had a true you and I jazz listening session before in our living room. Also, the other the other um, uh, guitar the leftover that had crossed my mind was shouting out to the uh, another um. Liberty podcast, but I did listen to Rebecca and Matt oh, yeah. Harmon's Liberty Mainline. Um, Liberty Mainline's podcast that is doing the same thing, right? And their like structure of like Sunday supper or whatever, yeah, that like makes sense. <laughs> as opposed to the the post Sunday blues part, kind of makes sense, but uh-huh. the whole blues motif and yep. like bar band cover tunes, yep. <coughs> in the waters. <coughs> mm. You're being listeners. you're being smitten. Right um, now. I am being smitten. But the difference between, like, our structures and their structures are that their structures are organically, like, what their podcast is about. Yeah. But our podcast is not about music. So I don't understand these structures. Well, I say good for them. Do you have any guitar spoon pickings? Let's see. Uh, Oh, I, I did throw out a reference to Dancing in the Dark. I said a philosopher once said, you can't start a fire without a spark. And then, yeah, one one cut in the same spot towards the end of the sermon where I mentioned the Good Samaritan in connection with Hagar and Ishmael. I also had a longer quote, our listeners can't see it, but from the end of Matthew, Mm -hmm. from towards the end of Matthew's gospel where Jesus says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Mm -hmm. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Mm-hmm. I, I just cut it for time. Yeah, and but it's a good one. Or that's a good... Also a good one. Connection. Point. Yeah, and you don't want to do super long quotes at the end of sermons. And I like the left for dead in the wilderness connection sure. with the Good Samaritan story better. But originally it was going to be 
a twofer at the end. I feel like I could see both both ways, especially if you like actually put it in the um, bulletin. Mm-hmm. Um, if you thought of it early enough, yeah. um, I think that 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 um, passage it pretty vividly speaks like in connection with the Good Samaritan yep. too, um, of our of our the call to yep. us to to be practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, helping and cons- consoling others. Yeah. Um, do you wish that you d- hadn't gone to the Bruce show or do you like, n- like if you hadn't gone, mm, you would have like question. always wanted to have gone. Yeah. I think I, I think it would have had FOMO. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so you wouldn't I, have known. Yeah. I, 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 I needed to have been there. One final Bruce note. I was at, Liberty East cohort of pastors a couple of weeks ago. John Alexander at Liberty River Wards was going to the show and he was super excited about it. At that point I thought, no, I'm not going. I'm not going to pay that ton, ton, tons of money. John had a ticket angel. And then the, and he said, yeah, my first Bruce show was on September 24th, 1999. And I said, oh, is that the show at the Spectrum? And it's like, yeah, were you there? I was like, no, I was trying to get to, I was, I was but I was outside. So uh-huh, it was, uh-huh. and, and it's a classic, classic Bruce show. Yeah. I said, yeah, he opened with growing up. Right. And he's like, yeah, you were so weird. And then, but it's, that was the last tour where Bruce was not recording every show. And it's legendary enough that it would have been released in the archive series, but there simply is no there's really really bad audience recordings even for bootlegs from that show and so i got really i i what is self what's the opposite of schadenfreude which <laughs> is like jealousy uh-huh. where where alexander was yeah. at one of the best shows of all time and literally yeah. i spent hours outside, outside. the spectrum Wishing. whispering uh i was <laughs> wearing it i was wearing a trench coat tickets tickets <laughs> tickets and nobody had anything any helen wolves not this week cool any <laughs> other announcements i think that's all that we got I, i'm excited where where my happiness project has been today is eric mitchell debriefed for me the meeting from sunday for the 10th anniversary liberty Ooh, collingswood uh, Ten years celebration, so that's going to happen at the end of April. We'll begin announcing it in a week or two. But I'm also excited that we got confirmation. I hope it's okay to say, and I hope it happens. It's uh, Ross. If it doesn't work, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Got confirmation just this afternoon before we were recording that our original music director yeah. Ross Cooks will be in the house that morning, nice. and we have so. This is music is part of this podcast. We have a special musical idea to start the service. Awesome. If it all goes as planned. And do you have any ideas for how to close this podcast yet? <laughs> are, are you just not going to say I'm that not line anymore? I'm not going to say that line anymore. I wow. don't like it. Give me another line. <laughs> how was it? <laughs> That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post-Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy.
Medlock. No. Gosh.